From the historic Cosmic Potato Studios, welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to an all new episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your place for a detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. My name is Sean Ray and I know how to make plomeek soup in a toilet. (laughs) Joining me in tonight's roundtable discussion, we have Neek. How are you? Does this look like an engineering place? (laughs) (laughs) You got that accent down. We have uh, Chris is here as well. How's it going, Chris? This podcast was supposed to happen in 1992. I've been waiting 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Scott is joining us. How How are you, sir? I I noticed that I'm joining us for the third episode in a row in this season without hosting my own show, but that's okay. You you didn't host last week. You didn't host last week because you gave it to Rick. (laughs) People don't have to know that. That's 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 inside baseball. And Rick is here as well. How you doing, sir? It ruins my joke. I haven't taken a math class since Pythagoras made the crap up. (laughs) all right tonight we will be discussing the third episode of star trek strange new world season three which was titled tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow written by david reed directed by amanda rowe laan travels back in time to 21st century earth to prevent an attack that will alter humanity's future history so as usual we will uh we'll go around the panel and get our first impressions from everyone so we'll kind of know where everyone stands on this episode. Neek, what do you think of this episode? Ah, yeah. Uh, I have mixed feelings. Um, I liked the tone, so I thought it did the same sort of thing as like Voyage Home, where it was, you know, mostly buddy comedy. uh, And I thought the chemistry between Lon and Kirk was good. And then, you know, Every once in a while, something serious would happen. And so I thought that was fine. Everything in terms of like the time travel, I was fine with. Like, I felt that's the only part of the story that held up, really. Because everything else, all the other writing was, uh, I'll be generous and say bizarre and leave it at that. (laughs) Rick, what about you? What do you think? Okay, last week was probably one of was definitely the best episode of Strange New Worlds to date, certainly in what I I consider to be in the top 10 of Star Trek in general. The pendulum has swung the other way. (laughs) Uh, I did not care for this episode, and I think it's fitting. It just dawned on me that the title tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow is from Macbeth. Uh, Seems appropriate. Uh, It's a tired premise. There were some good moments, but, you know, I, I, I know that it's a Trek tradition to 
set an episode in the time as, as Nick put it in, in the in your recap you know wow we've come back to the same time and place that the show is being made um <laughs> I, did they have to do that? And and I, I I do disagree. I don't think that the two of them have any chemistry together whatsoever. Uh, I there were moments. There were good moments. You know, it wasn't painful to watch. And I, I was dreading the second watch, but actually, the second time now that I knew what was coming, it wasn't it wasn't a painful experience. But it just eh, the, the 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 time management. Not the time travel, but just you know, you don't you don't get to from Toronto to Vermont, and Vermont is not a small place. And they, you know, it just uh, the whole thing was just so contrived. Once they got back in time, it was just making me crazy. Okay, Scott, what about you? Uh, there were a few things that were you know fine, okay with this episode. I didn't mean to complain about not hosting the show. It was supposed to be a joke. I don't know if it read. Sorry. It was a joke. So there were a couple of things in the episode that were fine. Uh, overall, didn't love it. A lot of the a lot of the logic didn't really flow. I'm sure that we're going to get to it. But uh, exactly how long did Kirk spend playing chess? Because that's quite possibly <laughs> the most expensive hotel penthouse I've ever seen. I mean, even like a junior suite. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I, there was only one bedroom. <laughs> but but still, it there were multiple rooms in that hotel room. The fancy, room was the fancy. size of a stateroom on the Enterprise for crying out loud. Hotels, hotel suite. That's yeah. the size of an ensign's quarters on the Enterprise for crying out loud. I'm sorry, the new Enterprise. <laughs> fancy schmancy uh, fireplace on in in uh, against the wall. It. Whew. And well, and plus they had to pay for all the bus tickets and the cabs and everything to get to Vermont. And, and, so, like, exactly, like, and bribe the, the, the border guards. They don't go twice. Yes. And the, all yeah. the all the bribery. So, like, <laughs> how much money did he make playing chess? Yeah, and, well, and I mean, he probably got the room on. He probably got the room on Priceline or something. So he got it. He got a good deal for it. Uh, but they no. had no credit card. Did they steal a credit card? They didn't show us that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he paid for this room in cash, which yeah. is not going to happen in the first place because a hotel with that kind of room is not going to just take cash. They're going to want a credit card for afterward. And yeah, and considering that it was also taking place in our present, which means it ain't going to be cheap. So that that was a that was a big issue with me. I, I think oddly enough, also the, the the chemistry and the relationship forming between the two of them, I didn't like that either because it was it was so rushed and it came out of nowhere. And all that I could pull together was okay, Laan seems to be forming a, an attachment to him because she thinks that he looks cute with a shirt off because that's about all that we got that was really, you know, clear on the screen. The thing that I feel I almost had the least problem with is what I'm sure most of the critics online hate the most about the episode, which is the retconning. And I was okay with it. I liked it. Oh, I thought, I, I thought that the, 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 the retcon was brilliant. It's yeah. about that time. Was, <laughs> yeah, that was the only yeah. good thing about the episode. Yeah. I mean, I it could have been presented a little bit differently. And by that, I mean that the... Um, the undercover agent will say until we get late until we get later in the discussion um, could have maybe just 
slow down a little bit because I'm certain that half the people that are complaining about the change in canon are complaining because they didn't catch the explanation because it went by so quickly. But it was there, and I caught it, and I appreciated that. They they made the effort, and they took the time, and they gave an explanation. So that that satisfied me just fine. And it also harkened back to the temporal Cold Wars, and I like Enterprise references. <laughs> All right, Chris, what about you? Uh, for everything Scott just said, I agree. But just oddly flaccid episode of something I think I should have loved. Um, I complained last week about who I thought the most annoying character on SNW is. Now I know who the most boring character on SNW is. And just take your pick of either of the two that were featured in this episode. <laughs> Although I did like that little bit of retconning. So, yeah, I, I, I wanted more. I wanted to blame myself myself because i watched this on my phone it, like disjoint like like over three sittings in a non-optimal environment but i don't think that would have saved it based on what all what all y'all are saying so this is interesting because i, I came into this recording feeling nervous that i was going to be shitting all over this episode but now i'm getting into defense mode Everyone's hating well, it and I'm going to be the one defending this one. Go ahead, John. I will say I like this episode and I, I'm okay. the odd man out because I wasn't here last week and everybody was praising last week's episode. I did not like last week's episode. <laughs> and but uh, but this week I when I look at the pieces of the puzzle, it doesn't look like something that I would enjoy. Because it's not, it didn't feel like a Star Trek episode because they weren't on the they weren't on a ship very much. There wasn't a lot of bank uh, uh phasers and starships and stuff like that this was more you know i mean it was set in present day for the most part but and i don't like paul wesley's portrayal of kirk i didn't like him last time i don't like him now uh and lon is not my favorite character but i felt like at the end of this i, I felt like i knew her better and i felt i liked the episode even though i felt like Picard had already done this in season two, you know, this go back in time and try and stop the events of the future from being an alternate timeline and all that kind of stuff. I felt like they had already done this, but I felt like this was done pretty well. And then the, the, uh, the end of the episode I enjoyed, but yeah, there was a lot of stuff that, uh, that happened throughout the episode. That I was like, no, nah, that, what, why'd they do it that way? And then that, that doesn't work. Why, why'd they get so much money for playing chess, you know, stuff like that. And I, I, I felt like I could feel Rick and Chris's temperature rising the whole time I was watching it anyway. <laughs> but, but they fixed so much for me. I, I really did enjoy just some, like, just some like errant lines, just some off the cuff lines that, if you're paying attention as a Trekkie, you or a Trekker, I'm sorry, whoever I offended with either or both of those statements, um, that they finally at least acknowledge that stuff. And even you said, Sean, on the chat mm -hmm. that we all share, it's like they were listening to you guys last week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I liked, I appreciated that about it. And there were other things I really did like about it. But on the whole, it was just like, I, I don't know why, just the whole thing just did not in any way engage me. I do wonder who Anson Mount 
pissed off this season because he's barely on the show anymore. It, like we're in episode three and he's only really been in one episode and it wasn't even like a, a captain in the chair type episode. You know, it was, yeah, a, he, it was a courtroom he, drama. He had one scene in the first episode, one scene in this one, but I think uh, that Neek did make a, uh, a, a solid point in her recap of this latest episode that, that could have something to do with it. I wasn't aware that that had happened, but that could be the reason. Maybe the reason Anton Mount is not around is because in real life he had a child and he wants oh. to actually take care of his child. Or another theory is just that the reason he and Rebecca Romaine are not around a lot is because they cost too much. Mm. And that you could know, be. And I mean, yeah. this entire episode taking place in not a set also supports that theory that they're just trying to do things cheap. So could be one or both of these things. The only problem I have with the child thing is that they started filming this before season one ever even came out. Right. And so, that's when he had the child, the, the child he had the child oh, okay. years ago or something. Yeah. So okay. Well, that, yeah. that the timing actually makes sense. So John has just written something. Should, should I read it? Cause he said, yeah, go ahead. he can't join us, but he ha- he says that he loved this episode. He requested that someone read the whole message on the air. So whoever wants to do it. Okay, I'll, I'll, I've got it here. So I love that it focused on a single crew member. I love that it used a buttload of tropes, but did it well. I love that I'm familiar enough with Trek episodes and con to appreciate the references, but not so, not so familiar that I'm precious about what they can, can't, shouldn't do based on canon. I love the old school uh, Twilight Zone vibes. And I loved, loved Christina Chong's performance in this episode. That last call to Kirk was surprisingly affecting. I was also impressed with Paul Wesley as Kirk this episode. And yes, even though it was poutine level cheesy, I love that they ended the show with a close-up of a watch because time. I hope everyone else agreed with me, but I'd be kind of shocked if you did. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I I agree with John, I think probably more than the rest of you. I I liked Christina Chong's performance. I like Paul Wesley. I know everyone doesn't like his Kirk, but I was never a fan of Shatner. And so I actually don't mind new interpretations of Kirk. So I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm on board. I think I liked this episode more than the rest of you, Sean, uh, accepted. And John, obviously. I, I don't mind Wesley as Kirk. Uh, he... Just because of not not because of anything he does, just his physicality reminds me a little too much of Jim Carrey's Kirk yes. in the in the Living Color Thank spoof you. they did. Yeah. <laughs> he does a fine job, um, and I didn't have a problem with any of the canon stuff in this whatsoever. Uh, you know, I, I think that we really needed something because I, I think we talked about this. Maybe it was last week, Chris. That somewhere I got the head canon that. Because of all the mucking about in time, the the eugenics wars, the timing of it got moved, kind of like in the Terminator movies where they're like, yeah, you can change yeah. the timing of stuff, but it, it still happens. Yeah, um, I feel like uh, Neek pointed out as a Voyager fan that we had to force ourselves to retcon the eugenics wars somehow. Yeah. And at least this episode gave us a nod towards that with one errant line. And that was enough for me. It's fine. So I don't know what happened. I don't know why it happened, but I know because there were temp- temporal cold wars in enterprise i know they brought them up in uh, disco so the fact that a romulan agent could go back and say this was supposed to happen in 1992 i've been stuck here for 30 years wtf 
you know, like to me, I'm that's me. I'm WTF. I'm I'm right there with her. So, you know, I, I just like that they finally gave a nod to the fact that it's been so freaking inconsistent. I, I feel like it kind of sets up a um it kind of sets up something that may be revisited later on because uh it's not just the fact that the eugenics wars may have take, taken place at a different time than what we knew originally all of canon can be kind of a little more fluid because y- you think about it anytime that you time travel you're probably going to change something no regardless of what you do so first contact could have created an, an alternate timeline and then when the borg went back on enterprise that creates something else you know and uh, home also yeah i mean y- you can kind of think that yeah well maybe the stuff that we saw maybe it's a little bit different going forward because you know well, things are it. changing and you and you've got the the what's the so, the department of what the department of what, investigations temp, temporal yeah. investigations yeah the mm-hmm. department of wibbly wobbly stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, the only thing that 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 i have that gives me pause and sean i was adamantly against your supposition that because the Borg traveled back and then we saw them in Enterprise that we're in like a, a an altered timeline from that point on. But I'm thinking, but this is leading up to everything we've ever seen. I have kind of the same problem with this one. I don't mind that they're trying to retcon the fact that maybe the eugenics wars happened later than they originally posited. But if we're going to the fact that Strange in the Worlds is going to dovetail into TOS... And in TOS, it happened in 1992. How does that how does that reconcile? That's because all. this is a different timeline. So the the Department of what is it? De- the Temporal Investigations. Mm-hmm. They're 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 scofacula. They're constantly trying to make right what once went wrong in the timeline. And so there was a timeline in TOS, and now everything else we're seeing because like every series has had multiple time travel episodes. And so each time they travel back in time, we're getting a new timeline. It's a new timeline constantly, constantly, constantly. So there isn't even a prime timeline. It's all just close enough. It's all just enough of the beats are being fulfilled that the time police are like, you know what? Okay, good enough. We, we were, we're enough on track. And so that accounts for all the differences we're seeing across series. That's why sometimes Kirk is a bit pudgy, played by a Canadian, and sometimes he's really lean because, you know, it was a different sperm inseminating a different egg and they was still called Kirk, so they're a little bit different. Wow. I mean... So they're just... These are all just different timelines, and, and the time police are saying, you know what? Good enough. We've got a Kirk. We needed a Kirk. We've got a Kirk. It's okay that he's a little bit different than OG Kirk. And that and that Kirk and we didn't we have not until until the end of this episode we have not met Canon Kirk because the the both of the times that we've seen exactly Kirk has been from an alternate timeline both times yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and then this this time he's wearing a he's wearing a different (laughs) insignia. And why would but they he's have still the, got the Deltas all same over his enterprise, <laughs> right? They have the exact same enterprise, but it's a because completely the different... engineers who who built that enterprise, you know, the temporal police made sure that they were there to design their <laughs> enterprise. That was another thing that the the time police have been looking out for. 
I'm wondering well, if the the way to start looking at things <clears throat> as far as timelines go is the way it's been referred to for years now as far as the prime timeline is okay this is one specific timeline that that moves in this direction and that's what we've been seeing and the the abrams movies take place in a different timeline and time travel episodes can sometimes show us an alternate but a lot of people a lot of fans have been viewing the prime timeline as this is the one that's real and this is the one we pay attention to i wonder if and i have not really thought this through so there might be holes in this idea but i think what we should consider as the prime timeline is whatever we see on our screen even if what we see on our screen in tos in snw in disco picard whatever if they happen to take place in different timelines if if strange new worlds starting from this episode forward is in a slightly different timeline than the original tos took place in it's still prime because it's what we are being shown does that make sense yeah yes I mean, that's a good way to at least give yourself some kind of inner peace, right? Yeah, it, it's absolutely headcanon, but it's it's a way to, for, for the people who are like, you know, on, on, on the fence as far as, you know, do they want to be gatekeepers or do they want to just, you know, shut the hell up and enjoy Star Trek as, as it's presented to us? It might allow them to, you know, relax a little bit and just accept, okay, the prime timeline is what we're seeing, even if there is some overlap in the actual timelines that the characters are participating in. It might be shifting back and forth. It might be overlap. There might be differences, parallels, whatever. But Prime is what we watch. Well, you whatever know, the, timeline the, the, that's in. And it might help people to just kind of, you know, unclench their 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 starfish a little bit and just enjoy the show. You did not just say that. I, I would have said oh. balloon knot, but I also... Except for the JJ verse, which went out of its way to say we're on an alternate timeline. So, although I liked, I like Pine's Kirk better than I like Paul's Kirk. So I don't know. This whole <laughs> thing with with Khan uh, taking place at a later time, you know this this was all set up already in Picard. Yeah, because and I, 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 I was disappointed. Out. So, I was yeah, disappointed you, that they didn't I, reference that in this episode. The fact that they had Project Khan. There should have been something about that here. Explain, explain that to me, because the only thing I could think was, and just just bear with me as like the TOS canonista, the fact that, okay, now they're saying that it's happened 30 years later, but why would mm. there be a Noonien Singh Institute? Because Khan is infamous for the deeds he did. So why would there be something named after that family name before he rose to power and took over a third of the world? And I, he came I, I, he came from a rich family and they opened an institute and they decided that the best thing to do is experiment on their own children. And so they augmented their own kids. And then Khan became notorious, but he was from this rich family that opened an institute in Toronto. Yeah, it, the, 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 the Institute was not named after him. He was named after the founders of the Institute. And then uh, in the fullness of time, he, he very much eclipsed uh, the, the family that opened the Institute. Yeah, so te- I yeah. mean, so you, you can kind of say that La'an is not really a descendant of Khan. She just is a descendant from the from the bloodline or wherever that name came from what's the difference 
Well, the difference, the difference is that her genetic marker apparently worked to open the doors, which I never heard of that of someone mm. having their locks based on genetics that are like so precise that they like carry on for hundreds of years and they I mean so she's related to whoever the institute is named after because presumably whoever we see opening the door in that scene where they learned that the door can be opened with a handprint presumably she's related to that person and Khan may or may not also be related because it was very strange to me that he would also have that genetic marker. Because why would you let your essentially prisoner child have access to these doors? Either way, it it's so whether or not Lan is genetically related to Khan, why the F did her parents not change their name? Yeah. If it's such a burden to be named Hitler, you change your name from Hitler. Yeah. All the people yeah. who were in the 40s related to Hitler after the war was over, they changed their names because that's yeah, what you, you don't, do. You don't I'll run do you, into I'll, a whole lot of Mussolini's these days. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do you one better. Um, Harpo Marx was named Adolf and he changed his name to Arthur. So even the first name is enough as, uh, of a stigma. Right. Yes. So, yeah. The handprint. I was. I, I, so I was wondering when I saw the episode, and then Nick, I, I saw in your recap where you were talking about it, and it reminded me. Could the handprint thing, the door, the fact that the door's open because she puts her hand there, could that be a car keys behind the trash can or jail keys behind the trash can kind of scenario from Bill and Ted, where this Department of Temporal Investigations later on they go back and set it up so that her hand will open that that's they just can, any they hand go back. It, nobody thinks of it, it it's they a, can go back <laughs> further and they can program it so that her door her hand will open that door that's a really big stretch for head cannon when i think the shorter road is the more likely road which is the writers needed a way to just make this happen so they just hand waved it as yeah her hand will work uh, and so she didn't even take her glove off. So, so what, what's what's next on the list? You only um, need the fingertips. <laughs> what's next on the list? Oh, they need to get money. We'll just have Kirk play chess. That'll get them plenty of money for for a penthouse suite and border crossings and buses and Ubers and and food and everything. Yeah, it was a lot of lazy writing and, frankly, a lot of really offensive things. I felt the the absolutely incompetent police officer who lets Kirk go. Yeah, that offended yeah. me. That like that deeply offended me. And the bribing of not of, of two border guards, an American and a Canadian border guard, were apparently bribed. And that also offended me. I'm like, ah, oh, that's like that's not just lazy writing. That's that's you being an asshole. Yeah, that's just <laughs> hand wavy. We don't want to deal with that part, so we're just gonna but write in, write a line are, into the script. There are yeah. a million ways to solve these problems that they've written themselves into, and that's what they go with. Like, screw well, the, you. the the big the biggest thing would have been don't put 
Perelia, what is, what is her name? Perelia? Yeah, Pelia. Why yeah. have yeah. to be in Vermont? Don't put her Why in Vermont. Have to be in Sudbury. Like, yeah. Yeah. They, they yeah. set it up in the first act, so they had to have it in the third act. But they it's, didn't have to set it up in Vermont. They didn't have son, to set right? that up, yeah. I have a I have a warehouse in Manitoba or wherever, you know. Yeah, speaking of to, gun, I don't know what's speaking of gun. Ontario, but. <laughs> my aunt totally left that gun sitting oh, yeah. on the cons yeah. table when she left. <laughs> I think we're all like, take the goddamn gun. <laughs> I didn't even notice because I was so, uh, honestly, I was not interested anymore. You know, it's just like, oh, I, of course she has to be baby con. And it's like, would you kill Hitler in his crib? I think you might. But she's just like, well, you led to me. So see well, she, she also realized by that point what the what the effect of killing Khan, which is what happened to cause the United Earth spaceship or whatever United Earth fleet reality to happen was Khan. Khan didn't exist in that timeline. Mm -hmm. And that was bad. <clears throat> you know, it's, I mean, we, we've all had, I'm, I'm sure we've all done that, that philosophical thing of, you know, World War II was horrible. Millions of people were killed. But every now and then I think about, you know, what our population problems would be if 10 million people hadn't been taken out of the equation 40 years ago or 50 years ago or whatever. Um, I mean, that's, it's certainly not something that was good, but you know, we don't have, you know, we're, but we are if our you, own if predators. you knew, if you had like, you knew for sure that if you killed Khan, then you would end up with the United earth fleet instead of Starfleet. Then yeah, of course you'd let Khan live. I yeah. would rather, like she said, her Earth has sunsets, and yeah. uh, alternate Kirk's Earth was a wasteland, and yeah. all she had to do was let Khan do a little bit of genocide. <laughs> My big problem with this episode um, is none of that stuff. Remarkably, because you know that's all the kind of stuff that used to give really get under my skin and drive me crazy. Yes, the whole we just went from you know, and I don't even know the geography, but. Uh, based on on what you said in your kneecap kneecap reek recap <laughs> in your kneecap you should start calling them kneecaps that would be awesome a <laughs> um, concise I, I, kneecap I, I get the impression that Toronto is not terribly close to Vermont so it's about eight hours by car DC's whole other okay, country so yeah be like twelve hours so there yeah, were four so buses yeah four buses bribery get Taxis. there. Get the watch, which I uh, I haven't even begun to talk about how stupid that watch idea was, <sighs> um, and then get back in what appears to be less than twenty four hours. Mm -hmm. um, that bothered me, but not as much as I felt. I I okay, I didn't have a problem with Laon, you know, going oh Kirk, yummy. Um, that was fine. What I did have a problem with was the absolute. Uh, uh, bawling at the end. Not, not that, that the actress, not that the actress did a bad job with it. I mean, you know, I, I totally believed it. I felt like we, there was a scene missing where it went just from, wow, this guy's hot to I'm in love with him. Oh, no, she wasn't no, crying was because of him. Love. She was, was crying because all, all this stuff had happened and she couldn't talk to anybody about it. And she had gone through, the, not the impression she had gone through this huge thing. And she didn't talk to anybody about it. I absolutely that's, see where Rick is coming from. Because we're all I, we're all we're all like chomping at the bit for this scene. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know exactly where Rick is coming from. It's what I thought the first time I watched it, but then yeah, after a little bit of time, it it started to 
unravel or not unravel, but unfurl a little bit for me that her, her, her upset was because as Sean said, she just had this experience and she can't tell anybody about it. And the, the other bit that I think got to her, not so much that, Oh, this is a, a, this is a love connection that is lost. It's, this is someone who actually saw me just as a person and didn't see me as a Noonien Singh. I and I, see, I get that he doesn't see me as an augment whether I carry any augmentations or not that's someone that I could connect with and just have a friendship with not necessarily romantic but something and that is what broke her up the most can I, can I take it one step further no it's okay it's all it's all that stuff he saw me as a person who did not know my you know genetic markers my history that infamous name and um I think that she was just crying because she realized at that moment that she is profoundly alone. Like she lost this guy who could, you know, maybe recognize her for something else, but she's back in the place where she's supposed to be the timeline that she fixed. And she still does not relate to anybody on that ship in any profound way and she realizes now that no matter what and Mabinga I, I think it saves that scene with Mabinga in the beginning where he's trying to coax her out and she's just like no I just want to fight she realizes that she needs to become invested in something else besides being the security officer in something else in any way and that whole catharsis, because it was those three separate things coming to her all at once, uniquely because of the way she time traveled and she can only know it. And she's also, I thought that that redeemed the episode for me, to be honest with you. Well, I was going to say, Chris, where do you get off saying that you didn't like the episode when you had such a good take there? Like you, you obviously. Well, that, that was the only thing from. that was the only thing about the episode that I liked. Honestly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, the time travel was it, Star Trek. It's fine. I did not find any chemistry between her and the supposed Kirk. I do not like Paul Wesley ship as Kirk, even though I know it's an alternate <laughs> timeline, but is that his name? It's not Paul Wesley ship. That's, who's the, it? that's the flash. <laughs> All right. So who's, who's the guy? Paul, Paul, is, we Paul yeah, Wesley Paul is Kirk. John Wesley ship. <laughs> John Wesley Flash I don't like Paul Wesley ship as Flash either. <laughs> but but whatever. I, I I liked that because it brought it back to the character in her timeline, damaged in a way that I feel like we can reconcile as we go forward. And at least if she tries to make an attempt and she tries to change things. Us as viewers understand why she's doing that, even though the people on the ship might not. So that to me is good writing. That's good fiction. I I, I, I see what you're saying. I did not get that. I, I can I can see I I it, th those are all valid points. Uh, I will try to plug them into into my viewing of the show. I I, I think maybe they were a little obtuse about that then if that was what was really going on, because I, you know, the, the fact that she called real Kirk seemed really out of character for her. But then I realized no, we don't on. really know. We don't you know go her on character a time that much yet. Okay. You go on a time travel adventure with someone and then you get back to your timeline where that version of that person died. Of course, you're going to make it's sure still they're still alive, alive in this timeline just to be sure. You're not going to just walk around and be like, I'm sure he's fine in this timeline. No, but, you freaking check. 
yeah, but there's ways to do it without calling him up in the middle of the night and going, oh, uh, yeah, your 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 brother. Where was I'm your, bro- in- uh, Where I was your brother? I thought that was born? fine. I I would have done the same thing. I mean, she was in an emotional state. She she can't sleep that night if she just doesn't if she doesn't square these things away. She she's in a, she's just been hugely affected by like the most important thing that's ever happened to her in her entire tar- in her entire life, and she's just made a monumental decision letting a killer live for the greater good. So like yeah, of course you you call him up just to be like. Okay, you're alive. Okay, bye. And and to have that one moment, even though she knows that she can't tell him how she knows him and what just happened, but she can at least see his face and hear his voice just for for that one last bit of connection. Even though it's not the real him that she knew, it's as close as she's going to get to talking to the one person that saw her for who she was. The biggest problem that I had in this episode, and I also Nate, agree with Rick, by have... the way. <laughs> sorry, I, I had to jump in. Rick, I, I totally get it. I totally get you. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Nick, you might be able to help me out with this. Um, is it normal in Canada to go to a hot dog stand and get a hot dog and put nothing on it? <laughs> no, I was like, I'm just like, I'm gonna go back and get another one. I'm like, you're gonna get mustard, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just where you spend money on a hot dog and you put absolutely nothing on it. <laughs> you know, get some condiments, they were right there. Maybe he, they he, don't have hot dogs in his world, so he's just... Uh, he, he doesn't know how to or properly... Or maybe they don't have condiments space. in his timeline. Yeah, maybe he doesn't know how to properly eat a hot dog because they don't have them on the wasteland that is Earth in his timeline. But here's another question about Canadian hot dog stands. Is it standard to be to have the hot dog served on whole wheat buns? Because those are 100% whole wheat buns. He might have um, requested that if I he had to take a bite of it. street meat. <laughs> I don't eat hot dogs um, in Toronto. All right, I don't so, know. Actually, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's funny. They probably do because I know it's tough to get a steamy anywhere other than Quebec. So, a what? That's all I'll say about that. Never mind. That was a joke for someone who's not even here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the. Uh, I did the, like the. The touch that uh, this version of Kirk was born on the USS Iowa. And that was, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Cute. And not only that, but you know, when they were, uh, uh, when they were originally making the 2009 Star Trek, the Kelvin was supposed to be called the USS Iowa. That's what it was. That's, that was from early, early versions of the script. It was going to be the USS Iowa so that they could still say that Kirk was born in Iowa. Um, But it got changed to the Kelvin later on. So that's. I, I did like that when he was trying to drive the car when he started off, it was a it was a total homage to a piece of the action when Kirk tried to drive the car in that and started by going backwards and then trying to go forwards and Hey, at least they didn't start playing the Beastie Boys during that. I wish they would have chase. <laughs> I think it just needed a little bit of sabotage. That's all I'm saying. Oh God, enough with car chases and Star Trek. And that, you, yeah, no, you went right. from not being able to get it out of the parking spot to doing like stuntman level yeah. uh, emergency. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and then you have the, yeah. the Romulan, uh, you know, like the concerned citizen saying you're pulling him over because he's American. No, I'm pulling him over because he did 100 in, in a 30 mile per hour zone. <laughs> he stole a car. killed someone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he totally it was a he, even if even well, he, Vul- like he Vulcan neck pinches car. that guy. Yeah, he Vulcan neck pinches that guy steals his his it's a it's a Dodge Challenger Hellcat and he um He's driving it like like he turns into Dominic Toretto. All of a sudden, he's in a Fast and Furious movie because <laughs> he's family. 
<laughs> and then the song that's playing is Modern Art by the Black Lips. But um, okay, uh, Rick, you wanted to touch on the watch. Oh yeah. Um, okay. I you know I'm not an expert on watch technology. I know that there were radioactive watches and clock faces back in in the 50s there Um, are radioactive um, watch faces on some of the radios i have in my garage so mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. but they they they, it wasn't like there was a chunk of tritium inside them making them glow i mean you don't know that i mean my radio could like lead me to a cold fusion reactor is all i'm saying (laughs) well (laughs) according um, to according to this universe i mean okay according to this universe in our universe a lot of people, especially a lot, a lot of women, because they were primarily the ones employed doing this, came down with some pretty horrible cancers because their job was painting that radioactive shit on the watch dials. Um, but be that as it may, if that reactor is pumping out that much radiation <laughs> that a watch is going to yeah. glow from 250 feet away or whatever, uh, they've got bigger problems than Romulans in that city. Yep. That is true. Yep. <laughs> it's all Canada. Nobody cares. But but what's definitely a good idea is just to take a stroll around Toronto, hoping you stumble upon the right place. <laughs> Toronto is what? It's like maybe one square mile. So yeah, it's like, it's like no 20, 30 minutes tops, right? They can stop for another hot dog with mustard this time, right? Easily well, done. The, the, and also, the so the, the bridge over Lake Ontario explodes while they're... That's not a real know, bridge, while, is it? By yeah, the way? I was going to... No. Th- that no, is not no. a real bridge. Is, no. okay. I lived on yeah. the other end of Lake Ontario for a little while. It's not a real bridge. <laughs> but the guy the guy that had given her the device that sent her back in time told her, you have to get to the bridge. And then she immediately goes to the bridge because she thinks that's what he means. Well, he meant the bridge. And when that, when that bridge exploded, the first thing that I thought was, oh, please don't let Kirk die on a bridge again. <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about that scene on the bridge though because she walks in kind of the same uniform different uh emblem different mm-hmm. mission patch yeah. right and then they're like who are you oh we're going to be strangely nonplussed about it and then talk to this vulcan over here on the screen and then we'll say everything we have to and then we'll just nonchalantly turn back to say so who is this stranger on my bridge saying they right. belong here it was so weirdly paced it was like you would think that they're in the middle of i guess some kind of war or a war on many fronts and somebody the, the, they the don't U, know the rushes on their bridge <clears throat> And then they don't they don't like immediately say security tackle that person. <laughs> Just stand there for a little while while I talk to Spock. Because listen, no matter which timeline you're in, Starfleet security officers are absolutely useless. <laughs> so makes perfect sense yeah, that anyone can just that. walk onto a bridge and not be questioned. Every single series has had the bridge taken over at some point. They just let it happen. It's what's meant to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when the whole thing with the guy that stumbled into the corridor that gave her the the, the device, I mean, she should have been calling the captain and medical and security yeah, and everybody think? to that. Okay, to let, that let, right. I'm going to stop like, you right there on that. You're thinking with <laughs> TNG mentality. This is not get medical here right away. She had she would have to go find a wall. Calm 
and call the bridge or call sick. That's or true. She's got, she's she's got to go to some to junction, that. right? They can't just shout out like they do in later series. I feel like they've done that. I feel like they call out all the time on this show. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm I, not going to say. I'm not. But... I, you, you could be. Or, or I, I could. <laughs> I don't recall them doing that in this show, but. I I'd have, I'd have to go back and look. I, I don't know if they have it set up. If, if you're on the ship, you just call out and, and the system will automatically yeah. interpret I, what you're saying. It can't work that you. way. Not, Otherwise, not, not we couldn't yet. have, uh, you know, more troubles, more tribbles. Yeah. Because they have that scene where Kirk is at the comm and they. they oh, I'm not saying they, I'm not saying that they do it on Star Trek. Them. So, yeah, I'm saying I feel like they do it on this show. I, I oh, no, like no. I'm just saying like I, I, I hope I you know what I have not even I guess because it's become so endemic of what Star Trek is where you can just speak and you can get to the person you want to get to very clearly in a public channel somehow you can just say number one. And all of a sudden, Riker can hear you. How does the computer know that that's who he wants to talk to? You know, <laughs> yeah. number one, he, he could be talking to a, a toilet. Yeah. Number one is P. <laughs> uh, number one, uh, we're speaking to every every head on the Enterprise. Anyway, um, but like, like when we were watching the episode um, and they threw their uniforms away, my wife was like, they threw away their com badges. And I was like, they're not com badges <laughs> not yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, they're just badges. Yeah, they're just badges. Okay. And you don't need uh, those stinking badges. <laughs> Chris, observation. What is in your drink. What are, what are the little things in your drink? Uh, they are black cherries. Oh, okay. From the Manhattan that I poured into this when I poured it over the round it, ice. It just looked like you had a couple of little like rocks or something. <laughs> it's poo. <Rick>. It's poo. <laughs> All right, observation deck. Uh, uh, the 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 lady that played Sarah. Which, by the way, if there was a, a Romulan operative undercover on Earth for that long, I feel like um, the um, supervisors would have <laughs> would have found her by now, since we've already <laughs> uh, we already set that up in Picard. But she's played by Adelaine Adelaide uh, Kane who is best known from the TV show Rain and also Power Rangers RPM. She plays mm-hmm. the uh, the villain on that, or one of the villains on that show. Mm-hmm. The male agent from the Department of Temporal Investigations is seen showing Laon a T-Cars interface, which was first seen in the Voyager episode Relativity. Yep. I, I like that callback that they use the, the same uh, layout of the display. As Can we you saw guys, last yeah. time travelers. explain that to someone who hasn't seen Voyager? The when the uh the temporal investigation agent was bleeding on the floor, he pulled out the device and there was a holographic display that came up. Okay, yeah, yeah. And she that, did it at the end too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that display that we saw uh was also visible on the USS Relativity, which is a 29th century time ship for Starfleet. This so, was not an, an ENT. This was VOY. That, that, yeah, that, that was in Voyager. Yeah. Okay. Which I feel like yes, if they had a if they had a fiddled around with that device and got the holographic display to come up, they could have got a lot more information out of it. <laughs> and maybe not miss the like, bridge exploding. Yeah, like either Edith Killer must die. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. that they mentioned they mentioned Stone Ages, but didn't quite go to the stone right. knives and bear skins. Bear skins, like yeah. you're yeah. right. 
Um, Kirk mispronounces Lars' name as Noonien Sung, um, which, of course, we know who that was. Uh, that was a good touch. And uh, that's pretty much it. Everything else that I had in the observation deck we've already talked about. So does anybody have anything else they want to talk, they want to mention before we wrap things up? I really hope this is not a foot in the door to bring that temporal Cold War bullshit back. I wondered if this was uh, setting up for a, a a con movie, showing us what time period the con, a con movie might take place in. Uh, I haven't heard whether or not they're still working on like on on a a full cast recording podcast series uh, about. Doing a con story. <clears throat> Excuse me. I haven't heard anything lately. I yeah, so I, I I don't know if they have any plans, but we had the, the folder for Project Con in Picard Season 2, and then we had this in this episode. So it does make me curious if someone somewhere has con plans. But mm-hmm. I, if they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. I'm not really going to be surprised either way. Hey, at least, I mean, at least they got con's race right this time. <laughs> because <laughs> he's always in scripts and stuff he's always been indian but he's never been played by an indian <laughs> i love how they they cast benedict cumberbatch who is whiter than i am and that's not possible yeah. <laughs> nobody's whiter than I am. no i yeah. am and he's whiter than me <laughs> <laughs> now with what rick said about uh the temporal cold war we were got to remember that archer wrapped up the entire temporal cold war excuse me um in enterprise but we do still have did he though we do still have the temporal war not the temporal cold war but um i who's who's the guy um uh he's in, in discovery he's that like you know weird sciencey guy it, he he's the he's the director is is it da- mm-hmm. david cronenberg they call him cronenberg it's david cronenberg yeah yeah, yeah. Um, David Cronenberg talked about a temporal war, a, a hot war, not not a cold war. So they can put that pretty much wherever they want if they come up with a story that they think will fit into it. Yeah, I would hate that. Yeah, I'd I be, mean, I'd be every down for series it. has their time travel episodes, and that's fine. But I prefer it when it's just an episode here or there, rather than it being like a, a larger storyline. Because I mean. Yeah, they're headache-inducing, and they're they're tired at this point. Yeah, maybe if they want to do like a a small series of short treks that tell temporal war stories, there could be something interesting in that, and it wouldn't have to shoehorn directly into series that are already running. It's been so long since we've had a short trek. I don't feel like that's something that they're going to do anymore. Especially since they're canceling series, but yeah, the the, the mm. environment we're in right now, I think we we will be lucky to get another season of Strange New Worlds, uh, and maybe one more season of Lower Decks. Um, the 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 uh, executive level at Paramount right now does not seem to be too thrilled with how Star Trek is performing, and yeah, I think, I think uh, peak Trek is over. Yeah. As it's been five times over the last 20 years. So yeah, it'll give come it another back. decade. Yeah, yeah. it'll yeah. it'll come back. If, if they could get their ducks in order as far as learning how to properly put out merch for Trek, 
if they if they could figure out their target audience and put out stuff that would actually sell star wars you, you make toys because the kids like star wars for star trek you need some other stuff but there's plenty of stuff that they could there's plenty of stuff out there that you can buy now it's not licensed it violates copyright but there's plenty of amazing trek stuff that you can buy online if you know where to look Paramount just has to make some of that stuff official and they can bring in tons of money because Star Trek people love to buy Star Trek swag. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's bizarre that they don't do more of that. It's just yeah, it's weird. I I don't know what the thought process is over there. But my problem I, with the I Star guess Trek Sorry, go ahead. My problem with the Star Trek stuff that's out there is it's all expensive as hell. It's all aimed at people that can drop 150 bucks on a freaking bottle of wine. Just because it says Picard on the label. Yeah. <laughs> Another of their ducks that is not in a row. Yeah. Just print out the label and put it on a $12 bottle from well, Publix. Well, that's the thing. You know, every, every time I hear about some, some new thing, it's like, you know, even the Eagle Moss, you know, stuff before they went bankrupt were just, they were more expensive than I could afford to buy every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love the idea of their little ships, but, it, you know, 40, 50 bucks a pop. I got kids to feed. Whereas, you know, <laughs> Star Wars, you can go buy, you know, you can buy their shit by the pound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. I want to thank everybody for joining me here tonight. Why don't you guys let everybody know where they can find you? Neek? You can find me at superanemic.com where I write um, sort of concise recaps of every episode of Star Trek. <laughs> Neek Caps. I'm going to start calling yeah, them Neek Caps. Yeah. <laughs> it's Chris, canon. how about you? <laughs> I am That's a host canon. <laughs> of the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can find us at quantumleappodcast.com. Scott, how about you? You can find me right here on this show on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast, occasionally on Captain Game Show. And outside of podcasting, you can find my graphic artwork on my website, www.planetrisecreative.com. And Rick. Uh, you can find me at your local apparel store messing with the revolving doors. <laughs> I'm from space. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of that Star Trek podcast. You can find many more episodes where we discuss all sorts of Star Trek properties, interview actors, writers, novelists, and all of that stuff. All of that is on our website at infinitepotato.com. We will return next week to cover an all-new Strange New Worlds, which is titled Among the Lotus Eaters. Until then, remember to practice less vigorously going forward. Thank you for joining us for this episode of That Star Trek Podcast. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can send us an email at thatstartrekpodcast at gmail.com. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Be sure to join us again next time on That Star Trek Podcast. There was just one other thing that really offended me about this episode, and that was the idea that you could get a decent Putin in Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that absolutely has to go after the credit. <laughs> oh my God. I thought that was, a, I was a New York douche, but thank you. You're my Canada douche. I love I'm, you beyond all reason. <laughs>